Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Well, welcome to Face to Face, and uh, we have another special guest today, uh, Peter Blakely from Blakely & Associates. Thanks, Peter, for being with us today. Pleasure, David. Thanks for having me. So you, you're you kind of a pretty interesting guy. So 20 years in fundraising at least, or at least running Blakely & Associates. Yep. You're former president, uh, now yep. chairman of the board, is that right? Yep. So you're staying in. Yep, you're staying involved. Julie, and I walked in the door, I saw you sitting in your office there, so clearly <laughs> you've got some space here. You still have some I real estate? I still have some real estate. Okay, this yeah. is good. Yeah. And what I think really interests me about today's today's podcast, uh, you know, is obviously talking about fundraising and, and 
databases and relationship management and so on, donor fatigue, those kinds of things. But you just returned from uh, Mount Everest's base, base camp. camp. I did. Which on one level sounds like you didn't quite make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody did this year, unfortunately. Right, right. right. Well, was that, was yeah. that a weather? Was that a weather? No, no, that was due to the unfortunate tragedy. There was right. a significant avalanche, actually, about two days before we left Canada to go to Kathmandu. Was that soon? Eh? And yeah, yeah, it was on the, uh, we left on the 19th and it happened on the 17th of uh, and April. So so that shuts down the mountain, basically? Well, that it's never happened before, fortunately. Uh, this was the largest single uh, tragedy on the mountain. Thirteen uh, confirmed uh, lost Sherpa, and uh, three, um, as of uh, the last I heard, uh, they had not found three bodies. So a total of 16, 16 people, people uh, perished, uh, which is the largest single tragedy on Mount Everest in its history. Um, and... Um, so normally when, they, when these uh, tragedies occur, there are smaller numbers and people carry on. It is unfortunately one of the realities of expedition climbing. Um, you're dealing with nature, you're dealing with many, many unknowns. And um, so normally, no, it, they, uh, they carry on. But there's been a lot of uh, discussion and uh, um, concern that's been expressed over the years by the Sherpa in terms of their compensation. Hmm. And not just what they're paid, but in the event that something should happen to them, what happens to their families. Right. And so the Sherpa all banded together as a result of this and said that uh, basically they were going to go on strike. I was just going to say they're yep. unionizing. Yep. And uh, so the government took the, the next step and basically cancelled all of the permits. Everybody climbing the mountain has to have a permit. I would imagine, yeah. Anybody entering the park, you have to have a permit. So even when we went to base camp, we, had a, a, we have a permit. Not particularly. It's expensive as, a, uh, as an expeditioner if you're going to top of Everest. I don't know the exact right, amount, right. but uh, it's, it's in the thousands. And for, form a tax. It is, you know, absolutely. Keeping, it's to keep the mountain. It's yeah, to provide sure. for the sure. local people. Yeah. It's to provide for yeah. health care, schooling, and, yeah, and so on and so forth. So the government did make the decision to cancel the permits for this year. So it's going to be interesting next year as to uh, what what has happened. There were some discussion about uh, some of the plans that have been put into place, which by our standards are very minimal. Mm -hmm. They're talking in the terms of like four or $500 for a family and small uh, scholarships for the children and so on and so forth. Again, by our standards, very limited, but in their, in their terms relative to what it does cost, it, uh, it, will, it will provide some assistance. So whether that gets completely resolved, um, I think that the loss to uh, Nepal as a country for the climbing uh, this year, um, I think there's something like, oh, 100 or so people, 150 people that go a year. So that's a, that's a fair amount of money. So I think the government will be looking to, <clears throat> excuse me, will be looking to find some, uh, some way to resolve it and, and get things back on track. Yeah, I would imagine it costs thousands of dollars to climb a mountain like Mount Everest, I would think. I mean, well, the going, uh, the going price is, has been around 65,000 US dollars. Wow, yep. and that's to hire your Sherpas. That's, that's everything. To hotels that's that's no, no, no. That's from the time you enter the park until the time wow. you leave the park. So, so that's not even your two no, week no. stay before you go, no, 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 or no, no, your no. recovery after. Or no, 
no, wow. no, that's, that's from. Uh, but that I mean, it takes the those climbing uh, Everest, and and I'm not an expert on that by any stretch of the imagination. But it will they will spend in the vicinity of six to eight nine weeks in the process. Most of that is acclimatizing and right. waiting for the opportunity right. to actually make right. the ascent. So <laughs> the food, the uh, the food, the, yeah. The, yeah. the support, the um, yeah. where the base camp is, is actually on a glacier. It's yeah. on the base of the, ba- of the what's called the Kimbu Glacier. Okay. And um, so that obviously changes every year. So everything has to be taken up and everything has to be removed yeah, each year. It's it's so. crazy. I, I got to tell you, no interest for me, zero. <laughs> you know, I, I don't even think I'd want to have a snowball fight in in Nepal. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, it yeah. sounds crazy to me. Well, the, the 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 geography is absolutely overwhelming. Yeah, I bet it it's would be. Just, yeah, it's magical. Yeah, it truly yeah. is. So you spend uh, several weeks in. Uh, in we were two weeks. Two weeks. Yep. Just so this. So you you were going on behalf of uh, before we get into some of those other details, but it was a, a kind of a fundraising. Thing yes, it was. Yeah. Yep, for the Sir Edmund Hillary Foundation, yeah. uh, which was actually started by a chap by the name of Zeke O'Connor here oh, in Canada. Yeah, I thought it was and Zeke's, yeah. Yep, Zeke's an ex-football uh, player, mm. uh, Toronto Argonaut uh, football player, and the biggest set of hands on an individual I've ever seen in my life, so <laughs> <laughs> that's why he was a receiver. Good uh, and a, and a really, good one, it? a good fundraiser, that's right. He can <laughs> catch it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so uh, he had the opportunity to meet uh, Sir Edmund Hillary a number of years ago and on his passing decided that it would be appropriate to start the foundation uh, as a way to give back. And uh, so the Sir Edmund Hillary Foundation actually funds uh, three different projects. One is uh, an environmental project, so they have two nurseries. So a replanting of trees because there has been some... Uh, some uh, um, cutting down of trees for firewood and so on and sure. so forth over yep. the years, so yep. replanting of that. The other is uh, a school, the Sir Edmund Hillary School, which actually is only partially funded now by Sir Edmund uh, Hillary Foundation. Um, many, many world governments uh, representing countries who have uh, sent teams to uh, to Nepal to climb Everest are also mm. funders of that school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one is the hospital which oh, okay. is a fantastic hospital, uh, the Kundi Hospital. And uh, it, is, uh, it is amazing to see. It's amazing this, to see. Is this really to uh, help support the Sherpas and their families, or does this go beyond? Oh, it goes beyond. Yeah. It reaches way beyond. Yes. Yeah. It's, so this is uh, a way for climbers, people who are, you know, in a sense using Nepal yep. and its resources, mm-hmm. a way for us to, to give back. To give back. Oh, no yeah. question about yeah. that. That's yeah. exactly so what, what it is. Was this a trip for you, you and your daughter? My, yep, my daughter and I. Uh, so it's always just a dream of mine to uh, I've, see Everest. Yep, I've done I've done Kilimanjaro a couple oh, of okay, times okay. and a uh, couple times, a couple of oh, times. You're a bit of a and, and Everest is, um, you know, it's just been one of my one of my dreams to actually see. I mean, I've seen a million pictures of, of uh, most of us, you know, videos yeah. and yeah, YouTube's and all the rest of it. Of, but to actually see film? it. Uh, yes, there was. Yes, yeah. yep, yep. Do I, I remember see? some crazy shot of an aluminum ladder yep, over, over a crevasse, uh, and they're walking across. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah, good luck with that. You guys. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
Uh, it's just always been a dream of yes. mine. I have uh, the utmost uh, regard and respect for those who undertake the climb because it's a it's a it's an incredible physical and mental mm -hmm. exercise where you can plan everything to the nth degree and you never know what right. is going to happen. So it's not only your planning ability, the ability to plan and, and execute on the plan, but when the unexpected happens, how do you respond to that and how do you react and, and move forward? So does that, does that notion appeal to the businessman in you or does it appeal to the Indiana Jones uh, figure? No, no, I think it applies to the businessman yeah. in me. Yeah, definitely. Really? The yeah. entrepreneur in, in me because as an entrepreneur, you, yeah. you know, you're not quite like a, an expeditioner, but yeah. you, as you start a business, you know, again, a good, a good business plan needs to be developed but there are going to be curves and changes along the way that one needs to... Well, you to, can't plan for everything. You cannot. Right? You no, cannot. Nobody does. Nobody can. Nope. So whether it's to deal with people, whether it's to deal with uh, clients, whether it's to deal with other external forces, who knows? You know, I mean, we in our business, we direct mail has been historically uh, the, the, the core of the business. Canada Post goes on strike. Right. What do now you do? What? Yeah. Can't can't control yeah, that. Horse, horseback. So, how do you? Yeah, yeah horseback. <laughs> Paul Revere. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so were you? Uh, were so? Are you as successful of a fundraiser for yourself as you are for others? I, did I you actually do well was. On this trip? I did quite well. I bet I you did. did. I yes. did quite well. I'm sure you I, have I, a few connections. Uh, well, I was very. I including yourself, David. I had uh, a wonderful uh, about 250 people. Oh, that's amazing. Came forward and uh, oh, I raised fantastic. just shy of ten thousand dollars. Nice. Uh, my original goal was five thousand. Right. So oh, that's I was. Pretty good. I was very, very, uh, very pleased with that. Oh, it was a pretty significant. Uh, will you Will you go on to work with the uh, Sir Edmund Hillary Foundation? Well, I'm going to stay involved for sure. Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, Karen O'Connor is the current president. And, and they do an annual event in discussion. They Toronto. do an annual gala. They do one in Calgary. Good. Um, Sir, is it SirEdmundHillary.org? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure if, if the listeners just searched, uh, and we'll put a link to it on, to, uh, on uh, Peter's bio. But, oh, great. But uh, in an yeah. article, I believe, that is coming yeah. out about you, or you were just recently interviewed by... Yes, in, in AFP, Association of Fundraising Professionals, professionals. Yeah, right. On, so so we'll, we'll, put, we'll put a couple of those uh, links on the podcast. Um, so I'm dying to ask you about something that's, that drives me crazy, this whole notion of donor fatigue. Mm -hmm. I'm sick of hearing about it. Yep. This is my sense. And, you know, or compassion fatigue, I guess, is the other one. And, you know, uh, don't bother knocking on my door. Don't ask me for any more money because I'm done. Right. I'm tapped out. I'm, yep. I'm stressed yep. financially. But yep. when I look at the numbers and I look into Imagine or I look at CRA stuff, I mean, the average is pretty low, Peter. I mean, the average Canadian family gives, what, $375 a year? Something in that vicinity, it's, it's, yes. And, and it depends on the documents you look at. And yes, I and how it gets. But those are those are the registered documents. Okay. And what is, you know, there's, I mean, who knows what the unregistered amounts are when you think of, you know, person on the street, event that you go to here, uh, tea party there, whatever, somewhere else, and you're, you know, you're giving a dollar, ten dollars, five dollars. Yeah, you out. want to support, you know, whatever the cause might yeah. be. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, I I would I would venture to say that that number represents maybe fifty percent of what the true number is. Hmm. I mean, I don't have a sense, um, and that's just a gut a gut feeling, sure. quite frankly. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I I I mean, we all know that every time we turn around, you talk about donor fatigue. I mean, Canadians are incredibly generous people. 
we're, our, our belief in and our trust in philanthropy hmm. is incredible. It's one of the things over the 20 years of my being in this business that I, I am continually amazed by. Hmm. I mean, when I started in the business, to think, and, and I've had discussions with, with many of my competitors about this, we talk about it, you know, back in the old days, you could send out a crummy old piece of paper on a crumpled up envelope and basically say nothing in a letter other than you're, you're appealing on behalf of, you know, a legitimate cause and the money would come pouring in. I mean, it's, right. it's incredible. Right. It just boggles right. my mind. It really does. Hmm. So Canadians, you know, we're, we're blessed in so many ways in this country and that is just uh, an extension of that Do you, uh, Would you fortune. say, Peter, that that's a small portion of Canadians? No. Or would you say no, you think... I think it's very, very broadly based. Huh. Very broadly based. So how do I you... Do. How does that line up with uh, the CRA numbers? You know, well, so again, I think, I think, David, those really only represent what people record on their tax returns. Right, right. And, you know, um, in Canada, one of the reasons that people give is not because of the tax benefit. Interesting. In the United States where you can write off all of the donation amount that you make. It is a higher, it is a greater motivation to give. But in Canada, where there's only a portion of the amount that you donate that is actually tax deductible, it is, and it is just not a reason that people support any cause. People are giving because they believe in a cause, because it means something to them for whatever that reason is. And that is the real... That is the real challenge in this business that makes makes it from the agency side. Yeah, sure. As far as I, I have always felt, it is, I think I've said this to you, it is the best business in the marketing world that exists because at the end of the day, if I'm selling, you know, if I'm selling automobiles or if I'm selling life insurance or if I'm selling windows or whatever it is, I can do a pretty good job of figuring out what it is that my customer needs. Oh, I can yeah, identify sure. the need, yeah. and then it's just a question of being there at the right time with the right product Usually at the right price. Usually pretty quantifiable, right? Usually. Far more quantifiable yeah. than yeah. charity. Charity, you know, and we see this every day of the week. People give for so many different reasons, and that is really the new frontier in fundraising, and that is the attitudes and the motivations that are, that are stimulating um, people's giving. And that's the area, you know, historically, uh, the, the company, our company, Blakely, has grown by the use of statistical data on sort of what people's historical giving patterns have been. And therefore, if that's the pattern, then we capitalize on that pattern and we're able then to move that forward to encourage, you know, either larger gifts or more frequent giving or different types of giving. But in today's marketplace, what the directions more the company's looking to move into, as is the for-profit world, and that is the whole notion of motivations and attitudes. So, and those are, you know, a million and one. Well, they're, they're limitless, so, really, They are I totally, think. that's and right. And I would think they're constantly shifting. Very much yeah. so. And, I mean, you, I mean, from my perspective as an international development guy, I would go there, you know, relief and development. you got an earthquake, well, people will... Yep. You know, lean towards donating to that, perhaps, and that's then there's right. an Ebola crisis, and maybe they lean towards lean that, toward and that. Then something that's right. happens here at home locally, and so on. And so, yep. yeah, it's it's it's. There's no question the nonprofit sector is a difficult field. What? Um, so, what about this compassion fatigue, donor fatigue? Is it that? Is it that companies, organizations that are coming to you are just asking too often? 
are they asking too much? I mean, that's sort of maybe a difficult question for you to answer because it's your business. Um, yeah, well, but, but am I getting too many letters in the mail? I mean, I see. I don't personally because I work in the field. I don't feel it. Right. Uh, I, I what I feel is, wow, what a horrible ask this is. <laughs> when I get something yeah. in the mail, and, and the one thing people will always, and we hear this from people who are not directly involved with the business, but recipients is they, they may at times say, well, we're, and, and particularly when they're involved with a charity, they get very nervous around the frequency with which the contact with a donor sure, sure. Uh, occurs. Yep. Um, and I always like to use the example of, of the churchgoer who every Sunday or every Saturday, as the case may be, yeah, sure. you know, the plate is, is passed around. So that's 52 times a year. And on top of that, there are special asks, and there are this, and there are that, and the next thing. There are all kinds of things going on in, 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 uh, in religious organizations. So I've always been a believer that you can never ask too much. And if you are with a particular individual or a particular group of individuals, my experience has always been that the donor, the donors, they'll tell you. And then you must respect that. And that... That is the breakdown. Is and I talk to more people who say I have told ABC Charity, don't send this to me. I've crossed it out and sent it back. You know, do not mail me anymore, take or me do off, not call, call me, me or do list. me whatever. Yeah, yeah. And the organization continues to do it. Right. That is the failing. Yeah. So the failing is is not listening to the donor. When you listen to donors and you respect the donor wishes, then you will, you will not, in my experience, you will not experience donor fatigue. Donors want to know, if a donor is engaged with an organization, and engagement doesn't necessarily mean giving money. There are a lot of different ways, particularly in today's market, to engage sure, with sure, an organization. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of ways that you can engage with a, do with a donor. And the more ways, in fact, that you engage with the donor, the more, the more connected that that individual will be. And now we start talking about loyalty and stewardship yeah, sure. and yeah, all these yeah. other sort of elements of, of the fundraising mix. So I, I, I am not a believer uh, of, 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 donor, of true donor fatigue. Because I, I, quite frankly, I have never seen it. Well, for you, it sounds to me like poor, poor relationship management, really. It is. is what it comes down to. More so. And that's the whole right. notion of not listening. I mean, a good development worker listens. Yep. Listens to the folks on the ground who, who are looking for assistance or help or, or capacity building of whatever kind. Yep. But so often, as we've all seen in this field, we, we don't listen to That's well. right. We come in with our solutions and our big white Western and, and, vehicles. And, that's, and not what the, that's not what the need is. It's so not the need. That's and right. More often than not, I mean, maybe in some cases yep. it has been, or in relief settings maybe, you know, mm -hmm. tsunamis and earthquakes and things right. like that. But, yeah. uh, so, so poor relationship management then uh, is, is, a, is a problem. for. So for you, this it really is about um, uh, managing relationships in an appropriate, I'm trying to be as... Uh, human and genuine about this as I right. can uh, way um, that, that you know, for instance, so Robert Ian Peacock has written a book called FaceTime, Relationship Philanthropy right. is the subtitle. Yep. So, uh, I mean, you're in the business of numbers to some degree. Right. You're pretty detached in a way from the relationships. So 
I guess maybe my question is how do you how do you not become cynical about this field when you're really dealing mostly with numbers? Well, the numbers are just one of the components. At the end of the day, and Rob talks about this, and everybody who's been in the business for any period of time talks about this, people give to people. Right. So numbers may help you better understand some of the characteristics of an individual or a group of individuals, but at the end of the day, it's the connection that one individual has. This is why direct mail letters are one person to one person. Another fight we often have with organizations is they want two signatures on a letter. Well, how often do you receive a letter from a friend of yours with, you know, the husband and wife signature on it? It's just just not the way it's done. It's one to one. Why telephone works the way it does? Because it's one person talking to one person. Now you get into some of the newer channels and social marketing and social media, and it's changing that a bit. So it is broadening a bit. But the numbers are, are only there and I believe will continue to be there, and there are lots of arguments about how those numbers are get used and what numbers they are and how they're put together and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, however that's all taking place, you use those numbers as a component only. It's not... It's a tool in the toolbox. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. How, how, do, how do you communicate to donors as a, uh, uh, as a World Vision or a UNICEF or a plan or whoever that you are more than a number? You're not just a direct mail piece here. You're not just number 1222. Good question. By, by listening to what the donor is telling you, and this is where increased use of personalization in all forms of communication is starting to occur more. Mm-hmm. So a, better, a good example where this doesn't take place is in the for-profit world where a bank or a credit card company will solicit you while you've already got You've already got a mortgage and you're getting a, a letter saying, you know, a great deal on a, on a mortgage. Well, don't you know, you're not, they're not listening. Right. So it's the same thing in the not-for-profit world. If somebody, and we've been testing this, you know, quite extensively over the past number of years and we're seeing positive changes as a result of it. If I can use one example, World Wildlife Fund. If World Wildlife Fund does an acquisition looking for new donors and it's talking about the polar bear, for example... Mm-hmm. And then, and so somebody sends in a donation, support, that's, that's meaningful to them. And then I go back three, four, five, six months later, whatever the time, and I start talking about global warming. That's not, that may be what's important to, to World Wildlife, understand that. And that may be one of their, you know, one of their cornerstones of, of existence and development and, and support. But that's not why the donor originally supported the cause. Right. And we've tested this where we've gone back and we've talked about global warming on one hand, we've talked about polar bears again on the other. Surprise, surprise. The polar bear gets a better response rate. Right. That's not to say that the donor doesn't care about other elements of what the charity is doing, in this case World Wildlife or whatever the, the, the charity is. It's just that you need to build the relationship and get them more engaged with it before you start flogging right. what's By the important way, polar to bears you. are dying because of climate That's change. That's right. Or this is another factor. That's right. You might want to help us with this as well, yep. but that could take a year or two yes. or three or whatever the case might be. That's correct. And this is a, just an extension of you saying, listen to what the donor says. Listen to yeah. what the donor is saying. Yeah. Do you think too many nonprofits, too many NGOs are um, uh, mixing messages? 
you know, you look at some of the larger nonprofits, uh, like the UNICEFs and so on of the world, they, they, they do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And you got to wonder sometimes if it's, is it really just all about the donor dollar? Or are they really being, you know, what is that phrase? Uh, mission drift. Yep. Are they really being driven by their vision? Are they really being driven by clean water or polar bears or food uh, security issues in the local yeah. community? Or do they just want to be able to hire a new fundraising consultant and then therefore they need X amount of dollars? Sorry, I'm the one going cynical yep, right now. No, no, no. And, and I think there is certainly some of that. Um, we know... Uh, we speaking generically now for the industry, we know that certain things um, touch people more than other things do. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to raise money, then you have to talk about those things. And a good case in point is uh, in the healthcare, in the world of healthcare, hospital fundraising, where you know when we start talking about um, tangible needs, then the ability to raise money is significantly greater than when we talk about what's known as unrestricted funding. So we just need money because we're going to use it here, we're going to use it there, it, we're going to use it somewhere Peter, else. Peter, is a tangible need, would you also call that a, a designated gift? Like, no, no. You wouldn't? No. Oh, okay. A designated gift is when somebody says, I will fund this for you f to that level, whatever, right. the, whatever the dollar amount. That's designated. And what lots of organizations don't want is they don't want designated funding because often the popular designated items become overfunded right. and that creates a problem. So we will often use designated items as an example of how the money will get used. But we're very careful to say that we're not necessarily going to use the funds for this piece of equipment or that project or whatever. Right. Right. So it does in fact become Undesignated funding. Because so it's so it's so funding a tangible need is way more uh, user friendly and successful um, for an organization. No question from, about that. Well, not only from a fundraising point of view, but 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 also from implementation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Gives you more flexibility, more freedom, and yep. so on. That's right. And if what you say is true, which I love, by the way, is um, uh, what was the line you used about about. Uh, Canadians trusting in philanthropy. Yes. If they trust in the organization, then it's it's yep. it's, it's a good investment. Mm -hmm. So let that's kind of why you're giving to them in the first place, right? That's right. You trust them. I mean, charities, they know how to charities by and large are incredibly good stewards nice. of donors' money. It's nice there to is hear. there is no question about that. Unfortunately, as is often the case, one bad apple, and everybody thinks that that's the whole industry. Right. Um, well, and, 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 and those are the stories we hear. Yep. Right? Well, that's what the media it's, picks it, up on, and that's weird. what everybody goes crazy. But, but uh, you know. Well, I, what I love is for the last, I just read recently, I haven't got in a foreign policy, an American uh, magazine um, talk is now showing uh, apparently that there is research to suggest that aid is actually providing tangible, uh, sustainable, measurable results as far as development is concerned. Mm -hmm. Well, over the last seven to eight to nine years, pretty much since uh, William Easterly's White Man's Burden and then Dembisa Mozo, uh, Moyo wrote a book called Dead Aid, uh, how all money to Africa is just, just waste. going. Yeah. So now we've got research saying, well, hang on a minute, maybe not. Maybe not. Right? Maybe yep. we can actually trust these right. organizations. Well, After look at the work all, that the, the they're Gates... They're getting it done. Yeah, the work that the Gates Foundation has done on AIDS. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, it's, great it's, example. it's been fantastic. Yeah, it really has. Fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, and and 
you know, the Buffets and the, the Gates of the World and other, you know, well-to-do people who have, who have committed the, the, you know, huge percentage of their wealth to, to charitable organizations, you know, they, they are designating how those funds are going to get used and they are making a difference. And other organizations, while the gifts aren't as large, we are seeing, you know, significant growth and, and development in, again, if I use healthcare as an example, you look at work that's, that's going on in cancer. And, and cancer, as we all know, it's an absolutely horrible disease and just about everybody knows mm. somebody with or somebody you know, who's dealt with or passed away from or whatever the mm. unfortunate case might be. And people will often say, oh, well, the money's going. We're not making any progress. Well, I'm sorry. You know, the extension and uh, the extension of, of one's life today and the quality of life that people have as a result of, you know, whether it's personalized cancer medicine that's taking place through a number of different organizations led by Princess Margaret or, you know, the research, the world research, the, 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 the hub research that is happening all over the world where projects in, you know, whether they're in China or whether they're in, in uh, Australia or whether they're in the United Kingdom or Europe or Canada or wherever, you know, they're, they're centralized and people are learning. They're not duplicating research as much as they used to. They're picking up on other people. Really they're moving projects forward. It's Europe. fantastic. Yeah. It is. So there's no, there's no conspiracy uh, is what you're there's saying. There's no Peter. conspiracy I've, theory. I've heard conspiracy theories about cancer. No. Before. No. Oh, I've heard <laughs> it's, those too. It's all about you know, making yeah, money. Yeah, they don't want to. They don't want to find it. They don't want to find a cure. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sorry. That's no, not I true. think Big Pharma wants to find a cure. <clears throat> that would be my sense. Everybody wants yeah. to find a yeah, cure. No kidding. Hey, uh, tell me a little bit more, uh, especially coming out of your trip uh, to Nepal. No doubt, this has changed your life in a variety of ways. I've read some of your blogs and reports and so on. Seen the photos of the. The crazy, the crazy flight you and I chatted about out on right. the helicopter and and so on. This is going to stay with you for the rest of your life. It's going to resonate. No, yeah, no question. In a variety of ways, and you can't yeah. even probably know that at this point. How? Tell me a little bit now about how your level of awareness of the majority world, of developing world-like issues, is more prominent for you. It's more in your face. It's it's. You find yourself talking about it more often at dinner, dinner parties, yeah. or uh, you're more willing to listen to somebody else's, uh, you know, message mm -hmm. about an issue somewhere else in the world. And yeah. one of the things I've I've I've, ch I've found so challenging, Peter, is how do you get people excited about a place like Cambodia? Yeah. How do you get people excited about a place like Burkina Faso? Yeah. You know, by yeah. the way, Ouagadougou, the capital city. You, you got to love a place that's called <laughs> Ouagadougou. Ouagadougou. <laughs> anyway. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah. Are you seeing a shift in your own thinking? Well, is it about getting you, the donor on the ground? I guess is another question. Well, there's, yeah, there's you. no there's no question that that is incredibly beneficial. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean that, that, but that's been around for years. Yeah, so you think back to the World Vision and the Direct Response Television they've done, where you know well known people go over as sure. spokespeople yeah, and they actually see, and it changes their yeah. it changes their 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 lives. Um, so I, I wouldn't say you made the, the comment sort of has it changed my life. I wouldn't say it has changed my life because when I, when I first went to um, Kilimanjaro, people said, you know, it's changed my life. Right, right. It gave me an awful lot to think about, hmm. about my life, about the things that, you know, that I have and we have, uh, how fortunate we are, how fortunate I am. But... 
In terms of changing my life, no. Has it influenced my life? Absolutely. And to your point, yes, it will stay with me for the rest of my life. Um, you know, from the very first moment that we arrived in Kathmandu and, you know, you leave a nice city of Toronto and, you know, there's cleanliness and organization and, you know, hot coffee, organ, yeah, yeah, hot, just every, every <laughs> running water. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and then you arrive at Kathmandu Clean and it's, and it's just, it's just, it's totally chaotic. Yes. You know, I mean, everybody's trying and yeah. everybody's, you know, and we get into the taxi and I think I mentioned to you the, you know, very nice, well-spoken uh, uh, Nepalese young man says, you know, I just, just want to tell you right off the bat here. He said, uh, the rules of driving in, in Kathmandu, there aren't any. <laughs> yes. So I said, you mean everything goes? Absolutely, sir. Everything goes. And he said, the two traffic lights we have, we're, we're, we don't have them turned on because we're saving energy. That's the best. What a great story. <laughs> and, and it just it went on from there as we arrived at our hotel, which was a very nice hotel. It's a very well-known uh, climbing hotel called the Yak and Yeti. Um, and so they have all the luxuries. The, the power goes off two or three times a day. We just, uh, that's, oh, yeah. that's part of Pretty the standard. way. Yep. yep, that's the way it works. Um, and uh, and then we ventured out into Tamil, the local shopping area, which is the you know the the rip off you know right, the the, the, the copycat yeah, market I of the world and and yeah. I mean uh, as you saw maybe in the on the story I wrote I had some pictures of sort of the electric wires and you know it's it's just total chaos and people mm -hmm. coming and going but at the end of the day you know the important thing is it works mm -hmm. you know people are. People are not angry. People are happy. They're, to, their, to, to their way of, of, of existence and to yeah. their lifestyle, sure. yep. um, uh, they're, they're, you it, know. You know, it, it certainly seems less complicated in a way, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. it seems, a lot. I, I don't yes. know if it always, that's always a fair representation right. because I think in a lot of countries like Nepal, you've got political issues that we're not yep. dealing with. You've no. got health issues that we're that's not right. dealing with. That's and right. these things are going to create a whole other level of stress that they we do. have no idea. That's right. Right? And, though, and, and in talking you to... You can't underestimate No, that. and in talking to the people about things that are important to them, those are the things that come they up. They are. Education yeah. and yeah. health and yeah. lifestyle and right the more people i meet the more countries i go to i mean it seems to me we're all sort of you know i love the phrase we're all in this together and most of us are looking for the same things i think that's right uh, the, you know when, when it comes down yeah. to it education health clean yeah. water you know access. interestingly though i did find by comparison mm -hmm. having been to tanzania and 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 nepal right i did find that the tanzanian people by comparison were more at peace with themselves. Interesting. My observation, yeah. more at peace with themselves, more happy with their their situation in life. Yes, they want they want things better. Don't I, I'm not suggesting yeah, that yeah. at all. But they couldn't have been and not to say that the Nepalese weren't because they they were as well. They were helpful, they were friendly, you know, you never I never felt at, at any time uh, in either in either city, I never felt um, at risk or concerned about you know having something stolen or having something you know being being 
hit or anything of that. I just, I just never mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just me. Others may have different opinions, but uh, I, 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 I came back particularly from from Kathmandu, having been, or excuse me, from um, Tanzania, having having been been twice. And so the second time, I say, okay, so was that just you know first impression, or was right. that? And so I looked for it. It's stuff it like that. Talk to people, and 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 again, you know, in Nepal, we we had the opportunity. Although the use of the English language is limited, and even through our guide who was translating, you wonder what may have got, you know, misinterpreted, oh, lost in translation, lost oh, in translation. Yeah. Yeah, but sure. but but we had some great conversations with people about yeah. about you know their life and. And well, some of my fondest memories, I think, of all the traveling I've done are, are the, the folks I met. Yeah. The stories. The that's that's what it's all about. The late at night or the, 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 the meal we had or the yep. drive, the eight-hour drive that was supposed to only take two. Two, right. right? Yep. Or whatever the case might be. And, yep. and I love the fact that you sort of started with uh, your impression of Nepal was the taxi driver. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so great. So it's not changed your life, but it's influenced you. Definitely. What are you, do you think there's going to be things that you're going to do differently as a result of this? Oh, I've already started doing some things differently in terms of you know my priorities. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was not um, not a not a domineering component of my decision to to move on in life and mm-hmm. and and sell the company. But it was certainly a a contributing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I do want to do some more traveling, and I do want to look into doing some some third world uh, volunteer work. Do you see yourself on a couple boards in the next couple of years, maybe? In, uh, in which? On boards of some organizations that you align well, yourself if that oppor- with? If that opportunity yeah. was available, absolutely. Sure. Oh, but, 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 but more Becoming importantly... a little more active, a little more aware. Yeah, but I, lo- I love the, love, I love the, the on-the-ground work. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, yeah. I, I rather, you know, get involved with the people and see the one-to-one right. um, influence and, and outcomes. That, to me, is more rewarding. Oh, it's sure. very, very, sure. very rewarding. You can't beat being being in the field. That's no. for sure on the ground. I mean, you know, one of the things we did, as many people do when they leave, is they left. You know, we left various items with the, the folks that had had uh, had had helped us, and you know, that just their their appreciation is yeah. just sure. You know, that's it's a small thing for us, but such a huge thing yeah. for them, and yeah. that's that's incredibly rewarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Uh, we're coming. To near to the end of uh, our, our interview today, but but I wanted to uh, ask you. Uh, you're quoted uh, in a book. In the book, I talked about FaceTime earlier, right, and, and, book. And, and you mentioned something <coughs> about having. You know, we all have a lot of acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Is the quote? It's a paraphrase, but yep. but very few friends. Right. Um, and in that was obviously Robert uh, Peacock was writing that in relationship to the whole notion of fundraising and right. cultivation and developing re- and, and building relationships yep. with high net worth donors and direct mail and so on. Right. Obviously, that's applicable in other areas. What, what, where did that come from for you? Is that just as a result of your own experience? Is this something you read, mm-hmm. or is that become kind of a, a a truth in this field for you? Well, it goes. It, it's certainly beyond or pre my getting into the the world of fundraising it's mm. really just sort of been one of my observations in life quite right. frankly right. Um, and we see it when um, you know when difficult situations crop up um, not necessarily tragic situations but difficult situations for people and um, you know 
I've heard many, many people say, you know, gosh, I thought that so-and-so would be available to help me or, you know, I've reached out to and, you know, and you, and it, it just, you really, that's sort of where that came from in my, in my opinion that, you know, we all talk about, got, I hear people saying, oh, I got lots of friends, lots of friends, lots of friends. And I've, I've, I really believe, I guess it depends how you want to define friend versus acquaintance. Right. Sure, yeah. But I think we have lots of associates, we have lots of acquaintances, but friends are very near and very dear. And they may or may not be family members, because there are lots of family members who are not necessarily near and dear, unfortunately. I've been fortunate in the family I've right. come from and been brought up in that, that that is the case. But again, talking to, you know, friends, neighbors about their family situations, you know, I just shake my head. I mean, how unfortunate yeah. that yeah. The, 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 you know, the whole friends, flesh yeah. and blood With of the like family. His enemies, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So... So, um, and in, but in terms of how that connects to fundraising, I think it, I think it does because um, maybe the best example is when we do acquisition mailings looking for new donors, we might get, you know, pick a number, we get 500 new donors. Um, and, and those we always call suspects in the business because, yeah, oh. they've, they've made a gift. Right. So that's, that's nice. But are they really donors? So right. what is a donor? Right. And what's the definition of a donor? And we... Right. You know, we've always said, and, and many of us in the industry talk about, we don't really have a donor to our organization until they've made the second or even, in some cases, the third gift. And then there's more of a commitment, an understanding, a relationship that has, that has been created. And so it's, it's the same thing. I, I, that's, that, to me, is the connection. We've got, we've got lots of suspects. We've got lots of associates. We've got lots of acquaintances. But in terms of donors and friends, we don't have, yeah, we have very, very few. And we, we, you know, we want on our side, now we get into the loyalty factor, sure. which is from the donor side. We get into the stewardship factor, which deals with the, with the organizational side. And there's a disconnect, right. a real disconnect there. This well, is, and I think, you know, to come back sort of almost full cir circle in a way, and I do like to do that from time to time in these interviews, you, you know, you talked about listening pretty early on in our That's interview. right. And we're kind of back there. It seems to That's me we're, right. we're building relationships. We're we're talking about the taxi driver in Nepal, and yep. and, and what is that going to mean for you personally, and yep. for potentially you know for for others as well, yep. right yep. down the road. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean it's such a cliche. It's all about relationships, but it is. But, it's, but it to is to me. It's about unpacking what that actually means. means. So if somebody right. says that in the room, great. What do you mean? Now, what do you mean by yep. that? Yeah, and how do you define that? And how do you define? And how are you going to execute on that? Execute. That's right. Yeah. Peter, thanks so much for joining us today. There's so much more going on. There is. You know, and and I, we 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 barely scratched the surface, and we're 42 minutes in. So really appreciate your time, and maybe we'll we'll do a part two in a couple of years when you've hit three or four more countries maybe that would be Any great more mountains to climb no no more mountains not, no, more no, mountains. no okay. I thought maybe but I don't not sure my knees will put up with it <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> excellent anyway thank you anyway, for joining us today thank you David thank you.